Welcome to the RSCC podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. It's so good to be with you again today. It's just great. Uh, I'll be wearing these glasses, not my glasses that my wife says made me look, makes me look like Dave Ramsey. <laughs> so I intentionally wore these today. And someone's over here saying, you know, he does look a little bit like Dave Ramsey. And then you heard I was a therapist and folks were saying, oh, okay, well, check. He's bald. Check. He's got a beard. Okay, that makes sense. All that aside, it's so good to be with you today. And, and um, this is a message that I'm sharing with you today that I've never spoken before. I've never shared this with you or with anyone else in terms of a message. And I get a chance today to do something that is gratifying for me, and that is I get to take off my therapist hat and put on my preacher hat. Okay, and it's good to do that because I get to talk. (laughs) I get to do some talking today. And yet this message is one that I know is one that I'm supposed to be speaking to you today. I'm sure of it. I want to talk to you about forgiveness. About forgiveness. How is that not timeless for us? Is there any doubt in our world right now that our world right now is is a a bit of a mess? It's a bit of a mess, is it not? We hear all kinds of things that are going on. It's even a mess in terms of Christians. There's never been a time when Christians take more heat than they have before. If they take a stand on something, they're labeled as being bigoted and unloving. When as Christians, we really don't see it that way. We simply just say, these are some things that matter to us, that we believe, and we also love, because that's part of our beliefs, believing and loving. And it's never been a time. How many of you know that this is a confused, mixed-up world where folks' truth, their truth, is masquerading as the real truth? Some of you perhaps heard the story of the Cincinnati business owner who recently was uh, charged for dumping all of his garbage and construction waste on land that's not supposed to be dumped there. Some of you may have heard of that. Some of you may have heard of the Navy couple who has been prosecuted, husband and wife, who is, uh, is in trouble for selling secrets to foreign countries about submarine technology. And this is the one that is the most eye-catching for me. Some of you may have heard of the El Paso school teacher who told her students, don't call them pedophiles. These are minor attracted persons. Some of you may have heard, and every day in Indiana and even in Ohio County and around the country, some of you know of situations where folks have gone through a divorce and the former spouse is turning the children against them. This happens every day. I know it does. 
I do the, deal with this all the time in my practice where folks are dealing with the fact that their former spouse is turning their sons or their daughters against them with no real basis. This happens every day. So we're in a world where these kinds of things happen all the time. In my lifetime, I've never seen our society more lost, ever. And some of you might say, well, he looks old enough that that's, that's a long time. Okay, in his lifetime. Listen to the words of the prophet, the prophetic words of the prophet Isaiah. He says this, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Is there ever a time when one time or another we've lost our way? Can you think of a time in your life where you lost your way? That you'd gotten off track? Or you, even had, you haven't even found your way yet. Not just losing your way, but you've lost your way. And you kind of knew it. You knew you weren't as close to the Lord as you used to be. So, invariably, there's consequences to these kinds of things. A scripture here that you see about the, the cost of things, the wages of things. Invariably, the Cincinnati owner of the business is facing a 500000 or half a million dollar uh, fine. How many of you know that for a business owner, a half a million dollar fine is not small potatoes? The couple that sold secrets to foreign entities... Husband and wife are facing life imprisonment. Now, I told my wife this story. In Japan, it used to be that if you got a DUI, they put you in jail for two years, no probation, and your wife had to come with you. So you were locked up for two years with your wife in jail, and you think just possibly she might have reminded him, this is why we're here. So there's consequences. And there are consequences sometimes. The old saying, what goes around comes around. There's consequences for the parent who estranges or turns their children against their mother or their father. Because unless they're an awful human being, and almost always they're not, they need their mother. They need their father to play some part in their life. So, a consequence that frequently happens is that as they grow older and they begin to think for themselves and they begin to get children of their own, they begin to evaluate, is that stuff really true or did I just drink the Kool-Aid? So what goes around will come around and those consequences happen. And while we know that the gift of God certainly is eternal life in Christ Jesus, we know that things cost us. A life lived separately from God, it costs a whole lot. If not in this life, in the next. Now, how many of you know that we all want to be forgiven? We all really want to be forgiven. Sometimes we don't even know it. I remember years ago, I sat down with my father when I knew I was going to have a son. And I said to him, I had to share some bad memories because I didn't want it to get in the way of my relationship with my son. Because things have a way of going from generation to generation. The scripture even teaches that from one generation to the next. I had a long talk with him and shared some bad memories. Some of them were pretty bad. Things shouldn't have happened. 
And after we got through that, it took a couple hours, I said to him, Dad, I want to know if you want me to forgive you. It hadn't occurred to him. And I said, and he said rather, in the most sincere voice I've ever heard, he said, I would really appreciate it if you would. I said, Dad, do you have any of those matches, you know, those diamond brand wood matches that you can still buy? You all know what those are. He said, yes. So he brought the matches, and I took the matches out in his yard, out in front of his little apartment, and I took the list that I had written out, 23 bad memories. Not that I was full of bitterness or anything, because I wasn't. Things needed to be talked about. And he saw me looking through the screen door, burning the list in the front yard. And I came back in and I said, I'll never bring it up to you again. It hadn't occurred to him that he needed to be forgiven. It occurred to me that I wanted to forgive him. And he wanted that. Listen to the words of David as he was talking about how he got forgiven by God. He said, blessed is he whose transgressions... He starts off uh, by telling you that he's grateful. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not uh, impute iniquity or his sins are not held against him and whose spirit there is no deceit. David starts off by letting us know that he's grateful. But then he kind of follows that by telling you, here's what was going on with me. Here's what was going on with me. He says, when I was silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, my hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Sometimes when we're carrying things around, it starts to affect us. If not physically, we find ourselves being irritable and grumpy and maybe even finding a way for the pot calling the kettle black, as folks used to say, and accusing them of things that maybe I've been doing. And so David knew something was wrong. He felt it in his body. And then it occurred to him, as one writer said, it occurred to me, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And he forgave the iniquity of my sin. To use a word that we use, how many of you use the word iniquity in your normal conversation? Not very often. But one translation says, he forgave the guilt of my sin. It's almost like, some of you might remember when folks used to smoke in gas stations, the worker would be there smoking and asking you, can I give you anything else? Usually it was dangling. Okay, can I get you anything else? And you try to get in real quick. And I'm not down on smokers, don't get me wrong. But you try to get in real quick and get back out so you wouldn't smell like a cigarette. Anybody remember doing that? But invariably you get in a car and you still smell like it. What David was saying is, even the smell of my sin, God forgave it. The thing that was just hanging on me. So David's letting us in on his process. What, he, what occurred to him? You know, sometimes we hear in church folks saying, well, I know I'm forgiven. But we don't, know, we don't hear how they got there. 
know, what, was, what happened? How did you get to the point A from point B to where you said, it occurred to me? And I confessed his sins to the Lord. Jesus tells this story that, that I uh, just think is wonderful. He tells the story of a moneylender who a couple of men owed him money. One of them owed him, we'll say in our language, $50. Another owed him $500. Or to juice it up, $50 and $5,000. And he said to them, and he decided he would forgive their debts because they could not afford to pay him back. Jesus asked them, which man is more grateful? To which Peter said, the one who owed more money, the one who was forgiven of more. I heard someone say it's like two people. One had been guilty of one sin and the other been guilty of many sins. Which one is more grateful? The one with the most sins forgiven. I don't know about you, but I'm not among the first guy. I'm among the second one. I'm grateful for all of the sins that I've been forgiven. How about you? So God forgives us if we ask him. If you know someone who needs to know that God forgives them, tell them this. If you run into them, and they're needing to be forgiven. I want you, listen to me on this, I want you to tell them this. Tell them, God is willing and able to forgive them of anything if they ask him. So if you run into someone who needs to hear that, tell them God is willing and able to forgive them of any and all things. And I mean all That's what the scripture teaches. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Tell him that. Someone in your life needs to hear that from you. Watch for the opportunity to tell them that. You may well have that opportunity today or tomorrow or sometime this week. So we all need to be forgiven. And yet, how many of you know that sometimes the hardest thing is to forgive yourself. The hardest thing is to forgive ourselves. Such is the case with a woman I know from another town west of here. She came to see me and she was a Christian woman, had been for years. She knew the scriptures and she knew those scriptures uh, that that I'm going to read to you now. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save him, save them. And she knew the scripture about there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. She knew those scriptures. She could recite them to me, but her knowledge was insufficient, just knowing them. She knew what they said. And she believed that God had forgiven her, but she had a very tough time. Why? Because she had been unfaithful to her husband. And he knew about it. And he forgave her. But she could not forgive herself. So she came to me because she was stuck. She said, I know I'm forgiven. 
and I believe I'm going to go to heaven. But right now, but right now, I'm having a hard time forgiving myself. So as she sat there and talked to me, she, the answer came to both of us. She said, Stuart, I cannot believe that I did that. I can't believe that I was unfaithful to my husband. I can't believe I did that. And she gave us both the answer. She hadn't accepted it yet. How many of you have been to a funeral in the last couple of years and you've heard someone say, I, and the casket's right there, and they say, I can't believe he's dead. And yet, right there is the casket, and there's the body. Some of you have done You may have done it yourself. I did it when my father died. I can't believe dad's dead. Exhibit A, Stuart. It was right there. I needed to come to accept it. And when she said, I cannot believe, she hadn't accepted the gravity of what had occurred. She knew it intellectually, and just like she knew the scriptures intellectually, but she hadn't accepted it yet. So how do we accept? How do we accept something like that? It doesn't feel good to accept it. It's because it's a tough thing. It's not a walk in the park. It's hard to accept stuff that we've done. And so she started on purpose, not because she was trying to punish herself and beat herself up. She said it out loud. I was unfaithful to my husband and I wish I hadn't done it. And I regret it. So she began to say that aloud. Why? So she could hear herself say it. Educators tell us that the more senses that you and I engage, the more likely we are to learn. So she said it. She heard it. She may have even written it so she could see it. She certainly felt it. That helped her some to accept that. So just knowing was insufficient. Now I'm going to quickly read through these three verses and then mention something. But before I do it, when it comes to forgiving ourselves, denial can be an amazing thing. Because if we don't, it doesn't occur to us, we won't think we need to do anything. But denial can be an amazing thing. Maybe you've heard the story of the four or five women sitting around a table at an assisted living facility. And they were all playing, stereotypically, bridge. And as they were playing their card game, they saw the admissions counselor bring in a new resident who happened to be male. These women were all widowed. And they were talking. I wonder if he's married. I wonder if he's married. And so they said, well, we got to find out. And so they drew straws and stereotypically it was Madge some of you remember Madge from the Pons commercials okay but it was Madge who said I'll go find out so she goes over and she says hi I'm Madge and he says I'm Joe she said I hope I get to meet your wife Madge is pretty clever she'd done this before he said oh uh, my wife uh, she's dead Madge says you poor dear how did she die I killed her To which Madge said, so you're not married. (laughs) Denial can be a strong thing. Let me read these scriptures to you and then I'll talk to you about David. Then Saul said to Samuel, "I I have sinned. 
I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. And then we hear the story about the prodigal son in Luke. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you in heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. To be called your son. Make me one of like your hired servants. And then the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with, uh, with, with, thus with himself, O oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even the tax, this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I even tithe of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing far off, would not be as much as raise his eyes to heaven, beat his breast, saying to God, be merciful to me as a sinner. One more story talking about denial. David, who had uh, taken Bathsheba, who was married and, and ultimately had her husband killed on the front lines to cover things up. Some of the sin he was talking about earlier. He was being confronted by Nathan the priest. And Nathan said to him, after he told, by the way, creative people usually know where the story's going. And to say that David is creative is an understatement. Uh, he could play music. He could dance. Uh, and, of course, Psalms, if you read Psalms, David wrote most of Psalms, if not all of it. So David was a creative person. Creative people usually get the moral of the story. So Nathan's telling him this story and saying to him about how one sheep owner was, uh, who had lots of sheep killed the other sheep owner who only had one beautiful sheep, which was Bathsheba, of course. And, and David was getting angry. And Nathan said, what do you think should be done to this man? And Nathan said, he should be killed. Now, he didn't get it. But Nathan told him, he said, you're the man. Here's what saved David. He said, you're right. It's me. Now, all of these men have at least one thing in common. They all were willing to own and take responsibility for their sin and for their failures. They all have that in common. This is the thing that helped all of these men being able to turn it around, whether it be men or women. They owned and took responsibility for uh, their failures. Now, let me give you some things that I think will help you to remember if you want to be able to forgive yourself. These things are essential if it's going to happen. We can know God forgives us, and it doesn't mean we're not going to heaven. It just means in, well, on the way there, we'll be dragging around a ball and chain of unforgiveness of ourselves. These four R's, the first thing is this, is to take responsibility, to own and take responsibility for your failures and for your sin. Now let me ask you this, and you can answer it out loud if you want. Would you rather be owned or would you rather own? You'd rather own, so would I. And these four men, what saved them is that they own and took responsibility for it. The second thing is for us to be able to have remorse, appropriate remorse, to have regrets. And remorse would sound something like this, I wish I hadn't done that, I'm so sorry. I had one person say to his 
wife, I'm still sorry. I'm still sorry. I regret it. I wish I had never done that. Remorse, I, I wish I hadn't done what I've done. It sounds like that. And you, it comes across when someone seems genuinely remorseful. The third thing is restoration. Restoration is another way or fancy way of saying that we make amends. We make it right. Some of you may have participated or know someone's participated in 12-step groups, whether it be AA or Narcotics Anonymous or Sex Addicts Anonymous or Gamblers Anonymous, what have you. And one of the key tenets, not right in the beginning of their program, but around steps eight or nine, they begin to make a list of all the people they've hurt and have been affected by their addiction. And in step nine, they go to them, unless to do so would cause greater harm, and they say to them, I'm sorry for what I did to you. One fellow I know, he went to a restaurant owner who he ran in town, and he said, I want to tell you I'm sorry. When I worked for you, I stole liquor from your business. I stole liquor from your business. And he said, I want to know what I can do to make it up to you. I will pay you for everything I took from you. Every dollar. It may take me a while, but if you'll work with me, I will do that. I remember a physician's group in Annapolis, their practice management group uh, person, had been uh, taking uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars from them. They discovered it. He didn't deny it. They said, we'll work with you. And amazingly, and I don't know that I would have done this, they said, because you've admitted it, we're going to keep you employed with us. But they were willing to work with him. So making amends. And lastly, renewal. Renewal means making uh, learning, seeking to learn from our experience. Seeking to learn from our experience that we don't do those things. Some of you have no way of knowing a real estate agent in Bloomington named Karen Pitkin. Karen tells the story of her mother. She said, with, along with her sisters, they said, Mom, we've only got two kids. You had all of us. We're overwhelmed. How did you do it? And you had all these kids. How did you do this? We're overwhelmed. And she said, two words. Right decisions. They said, okay, right decisions. So how did you know they were right decisions? And she said, two words, wrong decisions. And then she said, okay. They said, okay. And she said, how did you know? She said, well, every time I made wrong decisions, I did my very best to not make those same mistakes again. So that's renewal, to learn from our experience. Listen to me. And this is very important, forgiving yourself. Listen to me. If you and I don't own our failures, our mistakes, and our sin, it will own us. And Satan will rub your nose in it. And you'll find yourself sitting here in church feeling unworthy to take communion, even though you've already been forgiven. He will rub your nose in it. Or he'll work through somebody else to remind you. Maybe at a class reunion. I remember when in high school you did this, this, and this. Thank you very much for bringing that up. It would have been nice if you had done it one-on-one. But please don't lose sight of that. 
if we don't own our stuff, which sounds a lot more like a therapist, I realize. If we don't own our stuff, it will own us. Hall of Famer Jackson Brown, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Jackson Brown once wrote a song when he was only 16. He said, don't remind me of my failures. I remember them all. So we want to be forgiven. And sometimes we struggle with forgiving ourselves. It's tough. But also, at least I forget, and I wouldn't, is what do we do about forgiving other people? For some of us, that's the hardest part. Even folks outside of Christianity will tell us that. The American Psychiatric Association and John Hopkins study said that forgiveness is associated with lowered blood pressure, lowered cholesterol, and you've been eating all that oatmeal when you could have forgiven. (laughs) Better sleep, And they're not even talking about the spiritual and relational benefits. Did you notice that? They didn't say anything about the relational and spiritual benefits. They simply just said, we see an association between better health and forgiving other people. Especially, it said, as folks, as as they age, there's better health that's associated with that. Many of us have heard that forgiveness doesn't mean that we have to forget. I heard it said once that forgiveness is when we relinquish or give up our right to get them back. That's frequently practiced actually in the alms community. Is that when someone is forgiven, we don't bring it up to them anymore. We don't seek revenge. Perhaps that's why the world was shocked when all those children were killed out in Pennsylvania years ago in the alms community. From the onset said we forgive the folks who did this to us. Which is amazing to me. I would have had a harder time of it. Psychiatrist Thomas Saw says this. The stupid neither forgive nor forget. The naive forgives and forgets. The wise forgive, but they don't forget. Unless that seems graceless. If you loaned me some money, you loaned me $500, and I didn't pay you back. Six months later, I come back, and I want to borrow $500 more from you. What are the chances you're going to loan me $500 more? You may say to me, Stuart, I've forgiven the debt, but you're a bad risk. (laughs) I'm not going to loan you any more money. So it's not about that. It's, we can still be gracious. Uh, we can still be gracious. Don Henley, a singer for Eagles, wrote a song once called Heart of the Matter. And he says, I've been trying to get back to the heart of the matter, but my will is weak and my thoughts are seem to scatter. But I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Even if you don't. Even if you don't love me anymore. So even popular music knows forgiveness is important. And, no, and it's not, it may not be because they ever gone, went to church that they knew forgiveness was important. Joyce Meyer says that forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. You might say, but wait a minute. 
but wait a minute. You know, I've still got these feelings. I've forgiven him or her, but I've got these feelings. Well, it doesn't mean you don't, have to, you don't get to talk about it. It just means you don't beat him over the head with it. So these are all what people say, but let's see what the scriptures say. Uh, and this is a hard one. It says that God expects it. He said, if you, forgive, if you forgive men their trespasses, your Father and Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in Heaven forgive, forgive your trespasses. Wow. So if we're holding something against somebody, if we've not forgiven them, then he won't forgive us. Wow. So before you think, oh, maybe I guess, I guess this Christianity thing is not going to work for me, Stuart. I don't want to forgive them. I can't forgive them. Or, wow, maybe I'm not right with God. So what do I do? Well, stay with me. I've got some, I think, some things that will help you with this. Some things that will help you to forgive what seems to be unforgivable. Certainly Romans and, and uh, you know, it's, God also says something about forgiveness for while we were still without strength, we were, while we were still powerless, as some translations say, uh, uh, that Christ died for the ungodly. So what am I going to do? And I've got this situation where I've got somebody that I don't really want to forgive, and yet I know God wants me to forgive, and I know that if I don't forgive them, it's going to get in the way of God and me. What do I do with that? How do I deal with that? And some of you say, Stuart, well, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what my boyfriend did to me, my girlfriend did to me. You don't know what my former spouse or my husband or my wife or my parents or my grandfather or my daughter or my son or my business owner who ripped off the business and now I had to go under. You don't know what they've done to me. I know. But I know a lot, of th- a lot of stuff happens. You don't do counseling for 30 years and not hear a lot of stories. I know that stuff happens. You don't grow up in an interracial ghetto in West Dayton, Ohio and not know things happen. So what do I do when I don't want to forgive? How do I forgive the unforgivable? Well, there's a couple, three things here I want to talk to you about. The first thing is don't act like it doesn't exist. Be real. Be authentic. Say, yeah, uh, I, this is going on with me. One of the things that I like about Thomas, even though folks will talk about doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas, although from what I understand, he started the church in India. Not exactly a ripe place to go. It's a challenging place. But Thomas, I bet you, that's an interesting thing to say, I bet you, when the casino's just down the road. <laughs> but I would venture to say that Thomas, when he said, I'm not so sure I believe this, I need to see him. I need to touch him. I need to put my hand in his wound, and then I'll believe. I'd venture to say, of all the other disciples, probably a couple, three at least, was thinking the same thing. Thomas had doubts, but he was authentic. And I don't know that Jesus really condemned him. He just said, it'd be nice if you could have believed without having to go through all this. 
but I don't hardly see that as a condemnation. The second thing is important is to ask God to help us. An example of this is when a man brought his son to Christ and he says, would you, would you heal him? And he said, if you would only believe. And he says, okay, help my own belief, which is another way of saying, I've got some doubts. I'm admitting it. I've got some doubts. Help me with my unbelief. This is the key. If you don't want to forgive somebody, admit it, be real with God, and ask him to help you to forgive them. It says in the scriptures that Jesus said to disciples when they said, well, how can anyone enter into heaven? And he said, it's easier after he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. They said, well, how can, what, chance are we, what chance do we have, essentially? He said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. If you want to forgive somebody that you don't want to forgive because you don't want it to get in the way of you, between you and God, ask him to do the impossible in your life. Because you know, and I know, that sometimes we know that in and of ourselves, we're not going to be able to do it. So ask God to do the impossible in your life. Ask God to help you. So be real, be authentic, and then ask people that you trust for help. James says if you confess your sins or your struggles to each other, that you'll be healed. You will be healed. But make sure it's somebody that's a good confidant that keeps it to themselves. So we get real. We ask God and we find people that we can trust to confess this because confession has a way. It's good for the soul. As the song was sung earlier, it is well with my soul. I want to lead you in a prayer in a moment. And, I, and if you would close your eyes, and if you wish, close your eyes and I'd like you to think if the stuff that I say to you, I'd like you to pray it with me. And then we'll close. Dear God, we thank you that you are so clear to us about forgiveness, about your forgiveness for us, and that you'll forgive us for anything. And God, we know that you, we want, you want us to forgive ourselves too. Help us, Lord, to accept this. Help us to accept and own our failures. And God, we also know that, we, that you want us to forgive others. So God, right now, I ask God that you will help me and this is where you fill in the blank. I ask God that you will help me forgive. God, you and I both know that it's hard for me, but God, please help me to forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at rsccfamily.org. Thanks for the listen and have a great day.